and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Pallier Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms to be encouraged, nurtured, and inspired. Also, you'll learn the latest in teen research and trends and get practical parenting tips. You really can improve your relationship with your teen and enjoy the teenage years. This is Colleen O'Grady, and I am the host of the Power Parenting Moms with Teen podcast. This is our eighth episode, and today I am really excited to introduce to you Dr. Anna Garrett. And today she's going to talk about finding hormone harmony when middle school meets midlife. Now, Dr. Anna Garrett has been a clinical pharmacist for over 20 years and has worked in a variety of settings from industry to ambulatory care. Along her career journey, she's discovered that coaching is her true passion. Her goal in her business is to help women who are in the middle of midlife transitions feel better. It's that simple. In 2011, she started her own business, DrAnnaGarrett.com, now coaches women on how to maximize their mojo through menopause and beyond. Dr. Anna has coached a broad range of clients from Nashville musicians to nurses, Her style of coaching is very practical and combines just the right amount of compassion with accountability to get her clients clear and on purpose. She also offers hormone testing to identify imbalances that may be as a result of menopause or adrenal fatigue. She uses an approach to rebalancing that is based on lifestyle changes, botanical supplements, vitamins when needed, and bioidentical hormone replacements. So welcome, Anna. Thank you so much, Colleen, for having me today. You're so welcome. Um, I, I've been looking forward to this. And, you know, Anna, one of the biggest complaints I get from moms of teens is they are sick of the teenage drama. It seems like their teen is fine one moment, and then in a nanosecond they have a major meltdown or go ballistic. And a lot of times we blame it on hormones. You think, what's with my daughter's attitude? And then you find out that she just started her period, and you kind of go, oh, <laughs> that explains it. Now, there are, lo- there are lots of reasons developmentally that teens go to place is drama, and fluctuating hormones is definitely one of them. But today, I'm not going to be talking about the teen's drama or their homo- hormones. I'm going to talk about drama mamas and their <laughs> hormones. <laughs> and, you know, I am a mother of an 18-year-old, but I remember when Erin was in her early adolescence. And now I know I was perimenopausal. And, wow, if she sassed me, I could get so angry. And, you know, if I was honest, my reactions were a little over the top. And actually, my reactions and my anger is one of the reasons that I even created Power Your Parenting. And now I can see that those hormones were definitely not helping me. But I think when you're in it, it's hard to know, like, what's what. It's easy to blame your drama mama reaction on your sassy teen. And the unfortunate thing is both mom and teen can be in some kind of version of hormonal hell mm-hmm. at the same time. And so when hormonal mom meets hormonal team, well, no wonder there's drama. 
So for the moms out there, I guess the first question is, is how can you recognize if you have a hormonal issue? So I want to just start by talking, explaining the difference between PMS, perimenopause, and menopause, because then it kind of starts to make a little bit more sense on this spectrum of, of what can go on. So PMS is all of those symptoms like mood swings and bloating and irritability that you get in the two weeks before your period. And then the second it starts, you get better. Yeah. And it looks a lot like, and perimenopause looks a lot like that. Um, the, the symptom range is kind of the same, but the thing is it doesn't go away when your period starts. So oh, yeah, you're just like that all throughout the month. And, you know, obviously there can be some variations depending on what your hormone levels are doing. Um, and then menopause actually is just one day of your life. So it's the day that marks um, a year since your last period. So from a, well, and some symptoms can continue to go on past that one day, but um, perimenopause is the thing that we really think of as where the, the real wonkiness starts, especially for people who have kind of cruised along their whole lives, you know, their whole um, childbearing lives with, you know, no symptoms at all. And so there are 34 perimenopausal symptoms. Oh my. I know, right? Um, <laughs> and they can actually start 10 to 15 years before menopause actually happens. So we typically think of um, hot flashes and night sweats as sort of the classic perimenopausal symptoms, but there's a lot more to it. And so those would include things like anxiety. I mean, some people just have this debilitating anxiety that starts in perimenopause, mm. irritability, depression, mood swings, fatigue that just feels like you were hit by a truck, um, yeah. bloating, weight gain. So, you know, those are just sort of like the top eight. So why this happens is as you start to age, you don't ovulate every month. And if you're not ovulating, you're not making any progesterone. And so when that happens, um, progesterone is very calming and is a, is a natural uh, diuretic, which means it helps get rid of fluid. So it really is the thing behind a lot of these um, symptoms. And guess what? Your daughter may be having the same issue. So when, when, um, teenagers start having their period, it can take up to a couple of years for them to actually get regular and start ovulating every month. So if they're not ovulating, they ain't making any progesterone either. And that's oh my goodness, hell breaks loose. <laughs> so, you know, kind of back to the moms. Um, if you're in your early 40s and, and things have been kind of going along smoothly and you start having changes in your mood and you're just not feeling like yourself, you may decide to go see your physician. And if you go in and say, I'm not sleeping, I'm feeling depressed, I'm having mood swings, there's a really good chance you're going to come away from there with some Xanax or antidepressants or birth control pills or hormone replacement. But all of these things are basically band-aids because they're not fixing the root cause of the problem. Mm. So what I suggest when I'm starting to work with people is that they track what's going on with their bodies and start to be really suspicious of a hormone imbalance if things just feel off. And as women, we know our bodies better than anyone. And 
you know, you know what off feels like. It's just, you, you don't feel like yourself. So one of the things I really try to teach people is how to advocate for themselves because if you go see your physician and you're 40 or 41, they're going to say you're too young to be going through perimenopause. And that's just not true. Mm. Um, so I would just, you know, say to your listeners, if you, if you're not feeling right, if, if somebody tries to dismiss you like that, keep, keep looking for somebody who, who will listen. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. And I, I think, I think um, knowing from just being a therapist, a lot of these moms just get thrown on an antidepressant, and I agree, it's it's like a Band-Aid, and it's not looking at the bigger issue. Um, exactly. And so that's part of what I do in my business is I do the testing, look for the imbalances, and then look for um, ways to improve that that don't, and we'll talk about some of those in a little bit, but ways to improve that that don't necessarily involve hormone replacement. Cause a lot of women um, don't want to go on hormone replacement for a variety of reasons. They may have a health history that, that makes that not a good idea or they just don't like the idea. So um, because of some of the, the risks that may be associated with that. Yeah. I mean, there's been a huge mm -hmm. shift hasn't there in terms of it used to be, that it was a no-brainer that women were going to go on hormone replacement. And can you talk a little bit about kind of the philosophy today about that? Well, so in, the reason there was such a seismic shift in that was in 2002, the Women's Health in Initiative study was released. And um, the, the women that were in that study were on estrogen replacement alone or estrogen plus medroxyprogesterone, which is not progesterone. It's a synthetic version of it. And the estrogen they were using was um, a synthetic estrogen. And what the study showed when it was all boiled down was that the women who were on estrogen plus that synthetic progesterone had more incidence of breast cancer, blood clots, and strokes. And so at that point, everybody threw up their hands. All the physicians, you know, stopped prescribing it. But in a closer analysis of that, what really was shown was that that synthetic progesterone was the problem because the women who were on the estrogen alone um, didn't have that increased risk. But the publicity that, that surrounded all of that really changed the tide um, without people having a super clear understanding of what that study actually said. And bioidentical estradiol and progesterone were not even tested in this um, in this study. So now I think it really boils down to a quality of life issue. If you are having symptoms that are so severe that you are really not enjoying your life, then I say go for it. Um, if you have a history of, of breast cancer or personal history, if that's not a good idea because a lot of tumors are um, fueled by estrogen and we don't want that. So women that have had breast cancer are sort of between a rock and a hard place. Um, but there are some other things that can be done that don't increase risk but do provide some relief. So um, that's just sort of the five-second tour of, 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 yeah. of risk. But it really is, is an individual choice. And as long as you understand what you're getting yourself into, 
Um, you know, it can be life altering for some women, but my thinking is clean up your lifestyle first and see what kind of difference that makes because it can make a huge difference. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. So what are some things um, for those moms out there who are starting to, to have some of these perimenopausal symptoms? What can they start doing today? Do they have to like jump to hormones or, or what are the lifestyle things they could start to do? Um, well, there are several things that can be helpful. And actually, these can be helpful for your daughter, too. So if she would. Oh, yay. Well, so, if, <laughs> you know, you could present this as an experiment and, you know, try something for a couple of weeks and see if it helps. And then both of you can kind of see um, if, if it's making a difference. So the first thing is to avoid caffeine. And I know that, you know, everybody groans when I say that. Um, but caffeine has a couple of things that, that, that go on with it. Um, it contributes to hot flashes because it opens blood vessels. And when blood vessels get open, hot flashes happen. Mm. So there's that. Um, it's also very hard on your adrenal glands. So if you have issues with stress, which I know we're going to talk about in a little bit, it, uh, it is not a good idea. And then you may be one of these people that's very sensitive to caffeine. And even if you drink it only in the morning, it may be affecting your sleep quality. And if your sleep quality is affected, then um, it just contributes to cortisol levels and adrenal issues. So it's all of these things are so interrelated that, you know, you can change one thing and really affect three of your symptoms potentially. Wow. Um, getting a good night's sleep is critical. Um, when you sleep, you're repairing your body. And when you're not sleeping, it's hard to make good decisions. It's hard to be rational. It's hard to deal with teenage drama. Um, right. And it also raises your cortisol and makes you gain weight. So there's that. <laughs> That's uh, not good. No, it's not. And eliminating processed foods is another thing. So if you can eat a really clean diet, get rid of sugar and that's another one where people groan, but it makes such a huge difference. And if you can get sugar out of your diet for a week or so, you, cravings will go away um, and you'll start to have more energies because sugar is really the thing that's making us all fat. So when you say sugar, can you talk more about that? Because does that mean just like a cookie? That means things that include added sugar. So I'm not talking about fruit. I mean, I'm not... I'm not suggesting that anybody go on a fruit binge because a lot of them are very high in sugar, but I'm talking about things that are added to foods. So cookies, um, you know, sugar hides in just about everything. If you see, well, there's a, a list as long as my arm of different names that sugar have. So has so maltodextrin, high fructose corn syrup, um, anything that ends in OSE is a sugar. <laughs> so <laughs> basically. <laughs> So I recommend that people start with trying to get rid of the processed things and, you know, just see what difference that makes. Yeah. Um, another suggestion is to get off electronics at least an hour before bed. Um, iPads and, and iPhones and things like that emit blue light and that blue light can interrupt your melatonin production, which can disturb your sleep. So I actually had a woman in a class I just taught. She, um, this was one of my suggestions for the first week because I had them set some small goals and then we talked about them the next week. And she 
started getting off her iPad at 8 o'clock because she was on it like right up till the time she went to bed and actually stayed up late to be on her iPad. And she came in and she said, I cannot believe the difference. My husband is happy. I'm happy. So it, it it's things that are just simple but not necessarily intuitive, right? Um, right. Well, that that definitely would be something that the mom and teen both could work on. Exactly. Those teenagers have phones and iPads and you know, their laptops. Yep, exactly. Um, and then the last one that, that really makes a big difference is exercising, um, especially if you have PMS. So the number of days you do it is really more important than the duration. It's, um, it, but it's a real helpful hormone balancer. It also helps with weight gain. Um, I mean, it's just, is an overall wonderful bang for your buck. And and I'm not talking about you have to go do an hour a day every day. I'm talking, you know, maybe 45 minutes, three day, three or four days a week. And then also to make sure that if you are perimenopausal, that you start thinking about getting some weight training in um, just because bone health is really important and um, doing weight training helps maintain your bone health. And so that you only need to do a couple of days a week. Okay, that's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, those are practical things. And I think, I mean, I talk a lot about that in my, my program, that it's, it's what, what happens for moms is we get these messages like it's selfish to pay attention to me. So we, we kind of neglect our sleep because we stay up late and we do things for the family and we don't pay attention to our diet and we don't have time to exercise. And I, I love what you're saying because we can't, like, if you neglect yourself, it, it's going to directly impact you and your family. It just doesn't work. Well, exactly. And then when, when people tell me they don't have time to do X, Y, or Z, it's like, well, you really don't have time not to because what I'm trying to help people set up is a, a good, solid foundation for what their health is going to be like when they're 65 or 70. And you can't, yeah. you can't wait until then to really start taking care of yourself. So none of these things have to be big, overwhelming things. And if you just carve out 30, even 30 minutes a day for yourself to do something and just regroup, um, it makes a huge difference. Right. I mean, that's a good point. I think a lot of moms are just kind of waiting, waiting till they get into school, waiting till they're gone, waiting till they're out of the home. But you can't. I, I completely agree with you. So this brings me to another question. So what role does stress play in all of this? Well, stress is, is huge. Um, if you have a hormonal imbalance, stress is only going to make that worse. And let me just explain a little bit about sort of the, the biology of stress. Um, when you're under when you're under stress, your body makes cortisol. It's one of your fight or flight hormones. And in an acute situation where you need to do something quickly, that's great um, because that's what helps you really kind of get out of the path of the speeding car or whatever the threat is. So that's a good thing. But once it becomes chronic and you're just under stress all the time, that cortisol keeps getting released all the time. And this contributes greatly to insomnia, weight gain, um, and, and cortisol actually blocks your progesterone receptors, which means even if you have progesterone around, 
you won't be getting its calming effects because the cortisol, the cortisol is going to be in there blocking your progesterone. Mm. So ultimately over time, um, cortisol causes your body to break down. So it, it is a major contributor to just about every chronic disease you can think of. So diabetes, what, you know, whatever, because it causes inflammation and inflammation causes that breakdown. So, I mean, you can't pick up a newspaper anymore or a magazine without seeing something about stress. And, you know, we're, we get kind of numb to everybody, you know, the talking heads talking about stress, but it really is, absolutely critical to try to manage that because um, your adrenal glands get tired. And this is one of the things I work with my clients on a lot is adrenal fatigue because they, mm. you know, they've been working third shift for years. I've got somebody I'm getting ready to talk to um, next week whose test results I just got back yesterday and her, her curve for her cortisol is like flat and that's not good because that means she has no, no energy and no oomph. To, to do anything else. She's gaining weight like crazy. Um, you know, she feels bad about herself. And so if you're a mom in that situation and you've got all this going on in your head and in your body, you don't have any reserves to deal with your daughter and whatever she's got going on. So, um, again, this is a situation where lifestyle and supplements can make a huge difference because there really aren't any medications to help you deal with cortisol unless you have two ends of the spectrum, which are, um, well, if you've got Addison's disease, you're, that's a medical emergency and, you know, I don't deal with medical emergencies, <laughs> so, but that's, that's just sort of like a worst case scenario. But I, I deal with women who have been under stress for, you know, a number of years, um, or one client I had had broken her, she was fine before she, but she broke her leg, had to have surgery, couldn't do anything for several months. And, just couldn't get it back together and she had adrenal fatigue. So we got her, got her tuned up. So that was good. Can you speak a little bit about stress and the muffin top? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, so stress and the muffin top. Um, so stress. Oh, that's a good article title. Yes, it is. That's Thank you. I'll write that down. So that actually is directly related to cortisol. So cortisol, um, puts your body into, um, into a mode where it thinks it needs to conserve every calorie it's going to get because it's going to need it to fight the tiger or whatever is going on. And so it stores the fat around your middle. Um, and I'll say another thing about that is we'll talk about alcohol because I know that a lot of moms sort of deal with teenage drama by having a couple of glasses of wine. <laughs> Not that I would ever do anything like that. But anyway, so alcohol is kind of a special thing. Number one, it increases cortisol production all by itself. And it's hard. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. And oh, that's sad. Yeah. And it increases breast cancer risk a lot too. So there's that. Um, let's see, where was I? It's hard on your adrenal glands. And then because it really doesn't have to be processed by the body for energy, because that's really what alcohol is. It's, you know, it's like pure, pure energy. Um, it kind of gets a free pass to the head of the line when your body's looking for fuel sources. So it will burn up the alcohol first, which means anything you eat that your body doesn't need for energy because it's already got it from the alcohol gets stored as fat. So mm. it's, 
it's a very a very vicious cycle. Um, not to mention the fact that a, a startling number of cases of alcoholism start when men, women are in midlife, so it can be a very slippery slope. Um, and you probably see this because you know if your if your role in life is defined as being a mom, and all of a sudden your kids don't need you anymore, they're gone off to college. You're kind of looking around, going, "Well, who am I now?" Right? Right. Right. I mean, these these are themes that I really deal with in my Power Your Parenting program because um, what I find is if you don't really feel like you have permission, these what I call powerless parenting messages, if you really don't feel like you can take care of yourself or you need to put yourself always last on the list and you actually never get through the list, then... Um, if you don't deal with your issues directly or your health needs directly, you tend to what I I would say numb out, mm-hmm. and that's what you're talking about with alcohol and food. Right, is that you can you numb out, and so these things that you try to do to make yourself feel better, like have another glass of wine, another glass of wine, another glass of wine, actually do the exact opposite, exactly. and you right right. Not to mention what what they're doing to your body just in general. If, yeah. If that makes any sense. Yes, yes. Well, Anna, this is so helpful. Um, everything you're talking about. I mean, I think what you're doing is really giving moms that permission to take care of themselves. And one thing that I have noticed so much with my moms is they really... You really don't feel good. It's kind of like, it's like your emotional well-being flatlines. And and when I talk about I feel good energy, they kind of almost laugh in my face. Like, mm-hmm. right, sure. Because it's like stress has become like the norm. Like we live in stress and and it's like, is there really another option? <sighs> And so you're giving us some really practical things that can help us not only take care of our bodies better, but really feel better. Well, and one of the things I want to stress is that, I mean, so many of the people I see think that, you know, this is just how it's supposed to be and that, you know, this is their lot in life through menopause. And one of the things I always say is suffering is optional because there are so many things that can be done. Mm -hmm. Um, And for somebody to just think that they have to suck it up for 10 years just makes me sad because, you know, you're wasting a a big chunk of your life and your time with your daughter um, feeling bad about yourself or just, you know, I don't know. It, it just, it's upsetting to me for people to think that this is just how it has to be. And there's so much misinformation out there about menopause and, you know, what's helpful and what's not. And that's why I, I love that I can take my background as a pharmacist and use that knowledge to kind of sift through stuff and tell people, well, you know, research isn't a hundred percent clear on all these things, but help people kind of sort things out that they, may run across on the internet. Right. And you know, it, you know, it's if you think about it and you're you're kind of saying this and I agree agree with you, 
is if you don't feel good, how in the heck are you going to enjoy your daughter? Well, you're not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, down the days till college is what you're going to be doing. <laughs> right, and, and I, I've heard a lot of moms say, I am just counting the days because, I mean, your daughter is such an easy target to blame your unhappiness on. And, you know, she, I mean, she, she raises her hand quite frequently, you know, to blame, you know, it makes it, she makes it easy for you to do that. But, um, I, I like to say that your daughter is really a trigger to wake you up and the things that irritate you about your daughter is like, oh my gosh, you know, she's buying new clothes and she's, you know, she's having romance and you don't want to have sex at all with your husband. And, you know, she gets to go on these great trips and you're just waiting, um, you actually can learn from your daughter to like, like, don't put your life on hold anymore. Don't put your sleep on hold, your exercise. You know, I think Anna, I've watched you. You, you definitely have learned how to have a little bit of fun yourself. <laughs> I'm trying. It's a <laughs> <of> progress. Oh, <laughs> uh, I think you're doing a pretty good job of it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, so, and I, think, I think if you're able to recognize these things in yourself and know that it's not just some character flaw that's causing you to, you know, be a bitch from hell or not be able to get out of the bed, um, that you're more able to be compassionate with your daughter and, and understanding her hormonal swings. If you're, if you're both doing it at the same time, if you're able to sort of, I mean, you you can almost make it funny and, and, and be transparent about what's going on with you because you know, one of the things that I, I think now should be, you know, how we all, all have that talk with our, our daughters when they're going into puberty about stuff. And um, I think there should be a mandatory second talk. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom had a hysterectomy, so, um, you know, she couldn't really tell me anything about her experience because, you know, hers was surgically induced. But your, your experience... Um, can very closely mirror that of your mother. So if you have a chance to ask your mom about what her menopausal experience was like, then, you know, you may have some clues or if you have other older sisters or whatever, but, you know, I just think it's about trying to keep some humor in the whole thing and being compassionate with each other and, um, maintaining that transparency so that nobody feels like there's quote unquote something wrong with them. And that's such a good point. And I think it's so helpful to know the science because like I have, I have one of my moms, I think she has adrenal fatigue and she just feels, and so she labels herself is I'm just so lazy. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a lot of shame that she can't get things done in the day. Right. So I love that it, it's when we are compassionate to ourselves and we can actually see the science which is exactly what I talked to my moms about with the teenager is when you know the science, then it's, it's, it's helpful to not blame her or see her as some alien from outer space right. coming, coming here to torture you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you, what's like the next step for some of these moms who have some of these symptoms? Well, so I have just released a, a free new ebook. Um, it's called Dr. Anna's Quick Start Guide to Escaping Hormone Hell. I love that title. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a nine-step plan to make menopause manageable. And it, it's all about lifestyle changes, 
supplements. Um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's no, no prescription stuff, and, no prescription recommendations in and there. And did you say that was free? It is free. You're kidding. So, nope. Okay, every every mom who's listening to that, yeah. <laughs> did you hear that word free? And they can get that at your website. Yep, it's www.drannagarrett.com, and it just asks for your email information, and then we send you the download link um, right then. And then I also um, offer a complimentary thirty-minute call for anybody who wants to explore options of working together or to find out more about what I offer. Um, you can access my call calendar under the Let's Talk tab on my website at drannagarrett.com. So um, that's another another way to find out more about what I do. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. So I'd be happy to talk to anybody that's interested. And I also offer weight loss services um, just because we haven't talked about that. But that's something that I added back in January. Um, can you say a little bit about that? Sure. It's called The program is called Lose Fat Over 40. And um, it's a 12-week program where... Um, can, can you really lose fat over 40? Yes, you can. <laughs> I have um, one client who was in my pilot group. She's 56. 56 or 58 and she lost 20 pounds in 12 weeks. Wow. Um, I have another person that was in that group that lost 35 pounds. Um, so yes, you can lose fat over 40. So it's a 12 week program that is really designed to address the hormonal issues as well as um, teaching you how to eat a low glycemic index diet, which includes plenty of foods that people like. Um, but it teaches you a lot more about, foods and grains and what spikes your blood sugar up and what doesn't. And um, then we also have some resources around things that we thought women would just like. So skin, natural skin care. And we have um, an interview with a woman who's one of my personal trainers who talks about exercise in midlife and why it's important and how to choose a trainer. And so just lots of other topics in addition to the weight loss and so I have a one-on-one -on -one program that's available right now that's coaching with me over the 12 weeks. And then we are going to relaunch the group program at the end of September. So if you are on my mailing list, then you will get information about that. Um, so that's another reason to go download the free ebook because then you'll be on the list. Oh, that sounds great. Well, this has been so helpful. So, and I have one last question for you. So, um, any final words of wisdom that you would want to give these moms? Wow. Your golden nugget. <laughs> um, I think if I, gosh, if I just pick one thing, um, just know that, that there isn't, there is an other side to this. So it's not going to go on forever. Um, and I just, I can't stress enough that it's important to take some sort of action to make yourself feel better. Um, and it, it may involve having to, having to tweak different things, but just keep trying different things. And I mean, 80, you know, 85 to 90% of women can be helped without hormones. And so that's what, why I love my business is just because really that high, yeah, that high. 
So I'm able to help people with that. Um, and it just brings me such joy and watching people start to feel better is just, it's just the best. So just know that, that you're not stuck and that suffering is optional. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you so much for your time, Anna. And I know what you have shared will be really, really helpful to the moms who are listening to this show. Well, I am just so honored to have the chance to be with you today. All right. Well, you have a great day. You too. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.